Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written back in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, the sixth chapter beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You who are here in God's house, especially you, the adults of the adult membership class, and also you of our radio audience, it is nice to have you in church this morning. It is also nice, radio audience, to have you worshiping with us. Friends, today in the Christian church is known as Trinity Sunday. That means that the Christian church has set this Sunday apart for the special honoring of our triune God, our one God who is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Besides this being Trinity Sunday, here at Emmanuel, it is also Recommitment or Commitment Sunday. This is the Sunday when those of us who have committed our lives to Jesus Christ recommit our lives again, and that some will commit themselves to Christ for the first time publicly. And the text that I just read this morning is very appropriate for this Trinity Sunday. Isaiah lived over 700 years before Christ came into the world. And here in this text that I read, Isaiah tells us how God came and called him to be one of his prophets. Isaiah remembered it vividly, said it happened in the year that King Uzziah died. And he said, this is the way God called me. He doesn't understand how, but he said, I had a vision of heaven. He said, I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and the throne was high and it was lifted up. And he said the train of the Lord filled the entire temple. 
And then Isaiah said, I looked in above the throne where the seraphim. It's the only place in Scripture where the seraphim are mentioned, and thus undoubtedly the highest order of angels. Above the throne, get the picture, here are the seraphim, the high order of angels, a number of them, and so that Isaiah could see them, they had assumed human form, and they have six wings each. And he said, with two of their wings, they covered their faces because of the glory of the scene. With two of their wings, they covered their feet in humility. And then he said, they used two of their wings to fly. And then he said, there was antiphonal singing. The one group said to the other, the seraphim, they cried out and they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as they sang of the holiness of our triune God, Isaiah said that the doorposts of the temple began to quake and that the room filled with smoke. And then he cried out in utter fear and in terror. He says, Woe is me! I'm done for it. I'm going to die. I know that I'm going to die. I am a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner. And I live with people of unclean lips. And they're sinners. And I've just seen the Lord. I can't live. I'm going to die. I have seen my holy God. And yet today on Trinity Sunday, the seraphim through the word of God as they sing and they rejoice in heaven over the holiness of our triune God and sing their Trisagion, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Today on Trinity Sunday, from the Word of God, they call on you and me to sing and rejoice in the fact that our triune God is a holy God. Do you realize what it means to sing of the holiness of our God. Oh, we sung holy, holy, holy so often. Do you know what it means? To sing of the holiness of our triune God means this, to sing and rejoice and to be glad that our God is so holy, he is so sinless that he detests sin, that he punishes sin. He is so sinless that no sinner without one exception Neither you nor I can stand before him and live. That's the holiness of God. The holiness of God. God is so holy that you and I, the best of us, not one of us, can stand before him and see the king and live. It means certain eternal death. Did you realize that? When you sang holy, holy, holy this morning as the choir came into church, that's what it means. It ought to give you and me goose pimples. It ought to terrify us. It ought to frighten us to sing of the holiness of our triune God, that God is so sinless, he is so perfect and so pure that he must condemn sin that God is so sinless that not one sinner, none of us, even the best of us, can ever stand before him and live and sing of that kind of holiness. That's what it's all about. That's the holiness of God. When you and I get goose pimples and we say, 
That's the last thing I want to sing about is the holiness of the triune God. I don't see anything there that's worthwhile singing about. It gives me goose pimples. It terrifies me. If I can't stand before him and live in all that holiness, then why should I sing and rejoice? But there is a gloriousness about that holiness. The whole earth is full of his glory, sang the seraphim. There is a gloriousness about the holiness of God. And you and I may say, what is it? It is this. Yes, God, our triune God is holy. He is so sinless that you and I, not even the best of us, no exception whatever, can stand before him and live. But nevertheless, because of the holiness of our triune God, it is his holiness that has given us a holy and a perfect way of salvation, a perfect way to heaven that again enables all sinners, even the worst of us. I mean sinners like you, and I mean sinners like me. I mean the worst of us. It's because our triune God is holy that he has given us a way to heaven that is holy without blemish. There is no fault in it whatsoever that enables all sinners without one exception. That even means that the worst of us, I mean sinners like you are and like I am, we can stand before him and live forever. That's what the holiness of God means. If God, our triune God, were not holy, then you and I would say that he has given us a way of salvation that is not perfect. It's faulty. There's something wrong with it. There's a flaw. And then you and I as sinners would never have the assurance that it was possible for us to stand before God and live. That's why the seraphim in heaven when Isaiah saw them why they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. If our triune God were not holy, there would not be a perfect way to heaven. The way to heaven would not enable all sinners without excluding some. It would exclude some and perhaps then you and me. Oh, to sing of the holiness of our triune God. Why? Why, it's only his holiness that has given us a way of salvation that is holy. Why? Because it's only because our triune God is holy that God the Father sent no less than his Son to be our Savior. Have you ever wondered why did God the Father, the first person of the Trinity, why did he insist on God the Son coming to be our Savior? Why didn't he send one of the seraphim? What was wrong with them? These high-ranking angels with the six wings praising the glory and the holiness of our God, why didn't God say, you'll do, seraphim, you go to be the Savior? Why, if God had sent a seraphim instead of his Son, then you and I would say, God, your way to heaven is faulty. It's got a weakness in it because that seraphim is a created being and that seraphim is not of value to be equal with the entire human race. That seraphim could not be the savior of everybody because that seraphim is only a created being. And we would say, God, 
We need as a savior someone who is of more value than the human race. We need an uncreated savior. And because our triune God is a holy God, that's what we got. It had to be no less than God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, equal in holiness, equal in righteousness, equal in deity with God the Father. No other person would do. It is because of the grand holiness of our God that God sent his Son. If God were not holy, he would have sent someone less than his Son, and that would have left a grave doubt. Was the Son able to be the Savior of all? It was justice, it was holiness that sent him, and therefore this great plan of salvation is one that enables all sinners, yes, great sinners like you and me to come into the kingdom and to stand and to live because in sending no less than the only begotten Son, God sent us a perfect Savior, holy and spotless without sin, able to open up a way of salvation for all of us without exception. That's why we sing of the glory of the holiness of God. Some say, what person of the Trinity did Isaiah see in this vision? There's no question about it. He saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. And John in Revelation in the New Testament, he saw the Lord. He identifies him as the second person of the Trinity. Isaiah saw the Son of God before he came into the world, seated on the throne in the glory and the majesty that was his as the second person of the Trinity. And therefore on this Trinity Sunday, when this is recommitment for some of us, and it is commitment for the first time for some of us, we ought to say to ourselves, I'm going to sing as the seraphim called holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. I'm going to sing and rejoice and be glad in the fact that our triune God is holy. And when we realize why, that oh, it's the holiness of our God that has provided a way of salvation that's open for all sinners, not just for a few, that there would be any doubt as to whether it included you and me, open for all, for the greatest of sinners, even for you and me, think of it, that we can stand before God and live. And when you and I can sing of the holiness of our triune God, then today as we recommit or commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, we'll do it gladly, and we'll do it willingly, we'll not hesitate, and we'll do it with thankfulness that our God did reveal himself as a triune God. Trinity Sunday, oh, in the Christian church, there are those who deny the Trinity. The Unitarian Church takes its name Unitarian as opposed to Trinitarian, and it says we do not want to be included as Christians. The Universalists take their name Una, again, as contradistinction to Trinitarian. We do not want to be included as Christians because they deny the Trinity. But again, you say, what is it that makes the Christian Church Christian? It is the Trinity of God. When that's gone, then a church ceases to be Christian. Can I understand it? No. Who can understand how God can be one God and yet at the same time three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and each person to be separate? To your mind and mine, to reason, to logic, it sounds like there has to be three gods, but there are not three gods. There is one God. And yet how thankful we ought to be that God chose to reveal that he is a triune God, a three-in-one God, even though God knew that your minds and mine on this side of the Jordan would never understand it, 
because God alone in revealing himself as triune could show us his holiness and thus that he would provide a way to heaven that would be open for all sinners, for the worst of us, sinners like you and like me. If God had not revealed himself as triune, we would never know God the Son. We would never know the way of salvation that God has opened in the Son, Jesus Christ. Granted, we don't understand it. But again, when we surrender to him, let's accept the Trinity. That's what makes the church Christian, and let's defend it, even though today there are men that say because it's against logic, because it's against region, we must therefore end religion, and it is against all reason within our minds that we must absolutely bereft ourselves of it. Oh, no. The Christian church stands and it falls, and that's why we have Trinity Sunday. That is our God. Today is Trinity Sunday, and the seraphim call upon us to sing and to rejoice in the fact that our triune God is holy. And you and I may say, well, when I realize what holiness means, that he's sinless and that he's spotless and that he detests sin, that he must punish sin, and that because he is so sinless that no sinner, without exception, not the best of us, can stand and see his face and live. Oh, you may say, it gives me goose pimples. It makes me afraid. It gives me terrifying feelings like it did Isaiah. And it does when you understand what the holiness of the triune God is. But on the other hand, we ought to rejoice and thank God that our triune God is holy because it's only his holiness that gave us a way to heaven that is also holy, that is open for all sinners. Take away the holiness of God and you have no way to heaven that includes all sinners. I mean big ones. I mean those whose sins show like yours and mine. If God isn't holy, then there's no hope for you and me. It leaves a doubt. But because God is holy, because, again, our God is sinless, when he determined to give us a way to heaven, it had to be in keeping with that holiness. And therefore, in the second place, let's know this, that it's because our triune God is holy that God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to satisfy holiness in God for all of us without exception. Have you ever wondered why it is that the Word of God stresses the fact that when Jesus Christ came into the world, that he met the holiness of God for all of us. Supposing Christ had taken only somebody's guilt and not yours and mine, only the punishment of some people's, but not yours and mine on himself, the holiness of God would then have been impugned and God would have to say, this is not in keeping with my holiness. This is unfair. All men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All men are in the same boat. If God had provided a Christ that did something just for some of us and not for others, then you and I could cry out and say, God, you're not holy. You play favorites. God, you are unholy. You are sinful. Thank God that our triune God is holy, even though it produces goose pimples when you and I as sinners stand before him. The holiness of God means this that he sent Christ, God the Father sent his Son to take all of our guilt and all the punishment of the entire human race and being no less than God and perfect without sin, he was able to do it. 
On the cross, Jesus took what? Our original sin and our actual sin. He took every guilt that is yours and mine for every thought, word, and deed and of the entire human race from the first person that has been created to the last person that shall be born of woman and on the cross. God's Son, He met the justice of God. He bore hell and damnation for all of us. I mean the worst of us. I mean you and I mean me. Why? Because God is holy. Anything less would show you and me that God is anything but a holy God, but he's holy. And therefore, again, this way of salvation had to be holy. And therefore, because of the holiness of our triune God, since Jesus Christ did it all for all men, it's the holiness of our triune God that has provided a perfect righteousness in Jesus Christ for all sinners. I mean the worst of us. I mean you. I mean me. You see, what a tremendous glory it is that God is holy. If God hadn't been holy, then there may not have been a perfect righteousness for you and me. God may have said, no, I've left you out. But you and I say, but God, you're holy. You out sin. If your way of salvation excludes me, a sinner, then God, there's a weakness. Then God, there's a fault in your way of salvation, but God says, I'm a holy God, and the seraphim say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. When you and I can sing to the holiness of God, then we know this, that there is a righteousness that Jesus Christ scored on Calvary that is for you and me, the worst of us, that in that righteousness there is forgiveness, there is life, and there is salvation. When Isaiah saw that vision and he cried out, Woe is me, I'm a goner. I know I'm going to die. I'm a sinner. And I've seen the glory of the holiness of God. And who can see God's holiness and live? Isaiah knew that a sinner couldn't stand in the presence of a holy God. But when he was despairing, then Isaiah says, And then one of the seraphim, he flew towards me and he said, He had a lump of coal that he had taken with tongs from off of the altar. And he touched my mouth with this cold and he said lo this has touched thy lips Isaiah your iniquity is taken away your sin is purged oh here it was in this vision of you of a sacrifice in view of a sacrifice of Christ that Christ like this cold yes when it comes to you and me as it came to Isaiah it was the cold that touched his lips that took his iniquity away. That purged him. The holiness of God was showing him as the seraphim was bringing the sacrifice that in Christ Jesus, because our triune God is holy, that way of salvation would have a righteousness so big that it was big enough to bring to Isaiah forgiveness that he could stand before the king the Lord of hosts and lives. That's the glory of our triune God. When today on Trinity you and I can say, yes, it gives me goose pimples when I realize what I've been singing about when I sing about holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, singing about the holiness of God, the sinlessness, the purity, that God is so sinless that he must punish sin that God is so sinless that not one sinner, not even you and I, not even the best of us can stand before him and live. And we say, oh, that's terrifying, that's frightening. Yes, 
But on the other hand, thank God that he's holy because this holiness of our triune God, it means a holy, blemishless way to heaven. No weakness, no fault in it, whatever. Yes, it enables all sinners, the worst of us, you see. Otherwise, God would not be holy. When you and I can sing holy, holy, holy today, then as we recommit ourselves or commit ourselves to Jesus Christ, we will do it gladly and we will not refuse to do so. And we will be so thankful that we have come to know Jesus Christ. How, how thankful are you and I that in our life, providentially, we have been led to know this Son, Jesus Christ, to know of his righteousness, to know what the forgiveness of sins means, to know what it means to be delivered from hell, to know what it means to be a saved soul. Have we realized just what a blessing that is? I was out of the state last week, and I was sitting with a group and a seminary professor said something like this. He said, people don't want to listen anymore to the story of Christ and his atonement, to the story of the cross, to the story of the forgiveness of sins. He says, that's gone. That's outmoded. There is something new. People don't want to hear about the Christ and the cross anymore. And then a college professor spoke up and he said, a layman just said to me, how much longer are you going to send preachers to us who are still preaching the cross, who are still preaching about heaven, who are still preaching about the forgiveness of sins, and then this layman said, any preacher that's been out 25 years ought to be forced to go back to the seminary and to be re-educated before he's allowed to preach again. And this college professor thought that was a pretty good idea. Yeah, I came home sick. That again, the message of the cross is not alive for our 20th century. When here we are sitting in a world and we're wondering Who's got the trigger-happy finger that's going to touch the atomic bomb that we may destroy ourselves? Do you know of any message that is greater and more timely than the message of the cross of Jesus Christ? Oh, the church is sick. In other words, the St. Paul came back this morning. Paul who wrote and said, I am determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. There are some seminary prophets that say, sorry, Paul, old boy, you're going to have to be redoctrinated. You're going to have to be brainwashed, a new interpretation. You can't preach Christ and him crucified. People don't want to hear it. Well, may I say this in all humility? Emmanuel Lutheran Church has heard nothing in its history except Christ and him crucified. And by the grace of God and again in humility, it's become the greatest, the largest church in the Ohio district, and it has the greatest church attendance of any Lutheran church in our Ohio district. There are some people still who consider the cross of Jesus Christ a message that is timely and that brings peace of mind. And as far as I'm concerned, it's going to be a cold day in July whenever I go back to any seminary to be brainwashed to learn what to preach. There is only one message, and that's Jesus Christ for sinners like you and for sinners like me. If the bomb would drop right now, do you know of anything more important than Jesus Christ? I leave that with you.
Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday and the seraphim call out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And you die when we understand, we say, I didn't understand the holiness of God. It gives me goose pimples. It, it makes me frightened and it makes me afraid. Well, it did Isaiah too with the glory of the holiness of our triune God. Why? Why, listen, if God were not a holy God, our triune God were not a sinless God, we wouldn't have a way to heaven that would be available for all sinners. I mean big ones. I mean dirty-faced ones like you and like me. We wouldn't have it if God were not holy. It would be a way of salvation that would be discriminatory. Some of us would be included and some of us would be left out and we'd never know which was which. But because God is holy, that way to heaven is holy and there's no weakness in it. There is absolutely nothing in it that you and I would say it could be better because, listen, the holiness of God has made it well, that the way to heaven is open for all sinners. You, sinners like you, sinners like me. It's his holiness. God would be sinful if it would be less than for all because, you see, all of us are sinners and come short of the glory of God. It's only because of the holiness of our triune God that God the Father and God the Son sent the Holy Spirit to bring the righteousness of Jesus Christ to everyone. But you remember before Jesus went back to heaven, he said to the disciples, go and make disciples of every creature. He didn't say, just go to some and not to others. He didn't say, just bring the gospel to a certain view and forget about the others. He said, go and preach it to every creature on the face of the earth. And that's what Paul attempted to do. Why? The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came into the world to take this righteousness of Christ well, that brings forgiveness, life, and salvation to you and me, to the worst of us, because of the holiness of our God, and through the Word to bring it to the ends of the earth, to all men. Oh, it's because of the holiness of God. It may give us goose pimples, to be sure, but thank God that our triune God is holy. Now, that means that the way to heaven is open for all sinners. No one barred, no one excluded, even for the worst. You see, that means for you and me, that gives us hope because God is holy. It would have been unholy if God had excluded you and me because, you see, all of us are sinners. Even Isaiah cried out, Oh, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips. And this Holy Spirit who has come to bring the righteousness of Christ to all men is the one who keeps that righteousness flowing to you and me when we have surrendered to Jesus Christ, that it's ours whether we're awake or whether we're asleep, whether death should come like this, whether we should have our boots on or whether we should have them off. That righteousness, the Holy Spirit, he keeps bringing it to us and we have it as long as we want it. When a man rejects this righteousness, then the glory of God's holiness is punishment. The man that rejects this way of salvation that is open for him, therefore when he rejects the holiness of God in Christ, then God's holiness must bring condemnation. And the man that is damned will have to say, I got it coming to me. It was just. It was holy. I rejected this holy God's salvation that was open for me, and I told him no. Today is Pentecost. 
And as Pentecost is followed by Trinity Sunday, and we stand because this again, we think of our Holy Spirit who came, and our triune God who sent him, we say to ourselves, I'm going to sing the song of holiness. And then when it comes to recommitting ourselves, we ought to do it gladly and willingly. And when we commit ourselves, we ought to do it with joy because there's nothing to be afraid of. Oh, the comfort of the Lord's suffering that this Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, by means of lowly bread and wine, would give us his body and his blood. The very sacrifice that he offered, that body and blood that brought an opening to heaven for all of us, the worst of us, people like you and like me, that here we have that body and blood, that it comes as the great erasers, that body and that blood, that erases every sin and every guilt from your soul and mine and that blood that washes us whiter than snow so that we can be assured in the Lord's Supper that we stand holy before God, before a holy God, that we can stand and live. And that means the joy of personal assurance. Oh, another man spoke too, and it made my heart sick. He said, the mark of a Christian is to be in doubt not to be sure. And he mentioned about the fact that Luther doubted. Well, yes, all of us may go through a period of doubt, and Luther did, sure he did. He doubted at first, wondering, is this the truth? But when he came to certainty, he came to certainty. All of us go through it. My book, if you've ever read it, is a personal testimony of coming. How can you be sure? that God is triune, that he's a God that you can stake your life on. I found my answer, and it's in my book, that's the approach, is it true? That when I saw God in his word, it had to be God speaking, because here is truth that could have come from no other place than from heaven. That's my personal conviction in him, to live for him and to die for him. Luther was he sure when I was in Worms in Germany where you sent me and allowed me to go. Do you mean to tell me that a Luther standing there in Worms facing the church of his day was in doubt? I stood at the place where that building stood where he was. It's another building now. And cried out in my soul what Luther certain said. He said, here stay ye kishkanik unders. God help him here. Here I stand, I cannot do otherwise. God help me, that's a man with assurance who says Christians can't be sure. Isaiah was sure when the coal of fire had brought him the freedom from iniquity and his sin. Then he heard his Lord say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And Isaiah surrendered. He said, here am I, send me, send me. He surrendered, unafraid. Oh, the holiness of our triune God. Friends in the adult class, especially you who pledge your allegiance for the first time in your life, you don't have to be afraid. You can be certain, just as certain as God lives, that in Christ, you have eternal life, and you have God's peace because your God is a holy God. Oh, as we commit ourselves and we commit ourselves today, 
to be able to join in the song of the seraphim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then in certainty we can also sing, Beautiful Savior, King of creation, Son of God and Son of man, truly I'd love thee, truly I'd serve thee, light of my soul, my joy, my crown. Holy, holy, The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.